You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With the pump fake and a one dribble inside to the long two, and he makes it. That's been his game his whole career. But look at him smiling. We go, my man. Another episode of Long Two. I am Pete Rogers. He is Natty Wallach, and we are a Carmelo Stanthony podcast, and occasionally talk fantasy basketball. Natty, how you doing this week? I'm great, dude. Our favorite player won Player of the Week. <laughs> Everything's mean, happening what, exactly. What more do we, we want in this world? <laughs> in the same week that like Luca's scoring, you know, a triple double <laughs> with like 30 points, and Harden's scoring 60. <laughs> But when you can give it to uh, Carmelo Anthony for leading the Tim, uh, Trailblazers to a 3-0 record, you can't say no. It's uh, I'm so glad that they went on a little win streak and that it wasn't just a gigantic catastrophe. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, CJ McCollum might not be that happy right now, but um, Portland being good is good for basketball. Yeah. I love that team. And I'm really hoping that this is the start of them gelling and maybe getting some offense going. I don't know what the defense is going to look like, but they're not too far out of the playoffs, right? I mean, they're, they're eight and 12 and the eighth seed right now is Phoenix and they're nine and 10. So they're right there. Plus you got still what? 60 games left. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. There's plenty of time for, for the trailblazers to turn around. Um, but since we are, what? I can't do math quickly in my head. Well, you just said 8 and 12. That's 20, right? Yeah. 20 games into the yeah, we're season. We're about a quarter of the season. About in, a quarter yeah. of the way. So we figured, let's take a look at the rookies. And let's see uh, let's see how this draft class has been doing and how everyone's been panning out. And instead of just having a free-for-all conversation, which I'm sure it'll eventually do- devolve into, I uh, figured let's have a little guidance as we start this off. So we'll start with uh, biggest surprise. Who's your Who's your biggest surprise rookie? Uh, so far this year? Well, I th- I have a technical answer as okay. well as my actual answer that I thought of first. <laughs> and then when I was going through the draft... You had to make sure draft, you got that was, technical. Well, be, so I reviewed the draft, um, and I was like, I know there's some people that were undrafted, and there's some people I'm missing, and I couldn't remember who. And then, no duh, Kendrick Nunn. Mm, like, yes. undrafted, and... Yep. Uh, he's currently scoring 16 plus points per game with two plus rebounds, three plus assists, one plus three and, or I'm sorry, uh, one plus steal and two plus three pointers made on a team that is currently in, yeah, the third seed and they're absolutely going to win their division as we've been saying for a while, Miami heat look really good. And Kendrick Nunn looks, I mean, like he literally came out of nowhere. Yeah. He's been a hell of a get, and and I think he's the third leading scorer among rookies on a per game basis. Um, and he's been great for them. And and Tyler Hero has also been great for them. That's yeah. a that's a really good young backcourt duo that the Heat have 
I mean, not stumbled into in none or heroes case because you know you do your due diligence. I trust I trust the Heat know what they were doing when they got those guys, but uh, but that's a great backcourt to now have under your wing for a pretty long time with rookie wages and contracts and all of that jazz, and to learn under the tutelage of uh, Jimmy Buckets as long as he cares to teach. Yeah, I mean. We have to give credit to Miami's player development and just how they handle their business because Miami's been competent but mediocre for like four well, ever since you know LeBron left. Wait, wait, when was the last time that they were good? Oh, let me think about it. I remember they had some sort of like super team at some point, but I, I it's I can't remember. I think it's the team that beat the shit out of the Celtics, Oof. right? But then lost to Dirk Nowitzki. Am I saying that? Is that name right? I I think that's how you pronounce that name. I'm not sure. He's from abroad. Uh, He's from abroad. He is foreign. But yo, it's like there's all these young dudes on the heat that are playing and Jimmy Buckets is there. And, you know. It's he hasn't exactly meshed with younger players previously, but I think that because they know that he is the apex predator on the team, like there's an alpha and then there's nothing yeah. else. Do you think that's, I think that's, that's the difference? You think I really do? Yeah, that is like, just like there's team. there's no young players there who like management is trying to be like, hey, this is your team, but Jimmy Buckets, this is also your team, but really, it's your team. Like, right, there's no confusion at right. all. This it's is completely like, focused. This is your team, Jimmy Buckets, and guess what? We've given you some really good young players to to roll with. And you can see that in uh, in Butler's uh, assists. You know, yeah. like he's they're really moving the ball around well, and the you know Tyler Hero and Kendrick Nunn are looking like the optimistic version of themselves. If they can keep this going over an entire season, that's amazing. Um, and you know, Drogic is still there. It's just like a very well-run team. And now mm-hmm. that they have a superstar with a chip on his shoulder, right. they look like a dangerous team. And if they add one more person, and I do feel like they have contracts that they can move. Dion Waiters is there, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully he's taking it easy on the gummies. Um, but they they could absolutely make a move. And oh, totally. it would probably be with one of the teams out West that fell out. And right now, that is an interesting group of teams. Are they? A, are they a D'Angelo Russell possible landing spot? Oh, I was actually thinking more along the lines of like Danilo Gallinari. Ooh, or okay, um, a, a, a more seasoned veteran. Yeah, yeah. Or I, I mean, I don't know if Demar Derozan would work well with. Jimmy. I like Gallinari because Gallinari. Because again, you're not. I think you need to be very cognizant of who you're putting around with Jimmy buckets because it, yeah, like, yeah. even, even DeMar, it's like, well, DeMar could be your closer. Like he is that. And so like, I think you need someone who's like, Oh no, 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 no. I'm, I will, I will happily take a backseat to you, Jimmy. Yeah. And DeMar wouldn't really be complimentary in the right. way that a big forward, I mean, maybe, gosh, I don't know. Like I, I do like a lot of their young players and it would be a shame to like package them and kick them off the team as soon as they're doing well. Um, There's also a utility in trading for an expiring contract. So then you have cap space in the summer, even though this free agent year isn't going to be great. So maybe you'd actually want to make a longer term trade and bring on a contract. 
Yeah. Um, but everyone's going to be ravenous for trades and not many teams are going to have that much to move because of all the big contracts that were handed out. So I don't know. I, I like where Miami is at. I think they can, they're one of the few teams that is pretty flexible and there's nothing standing in their way. Yeah. Like they're, they're going to be a top four seed no matter what. Yeah. Uh, and I like you starting with Kendrick Nunn because my biggest surprise among the rookies is Nunn is the only guy who has a higher shooting, true shooting percentage than him of people who are being used more than 20% on their team's offensive possessions. It's Eric Paschal for the, for the Warriors. Oh yeah. I mean, the whole Warriors season so far has been a big surprise, but uh, Paschal wasn't undrafted, but he was the 41st pick and he sure was. 17.3 points, 5.8 boards, 1.8 assists, second among rookies in points per game. I, I don't know. Like, clearly, the Warriors scouting staff has a knack for these undersized forwards and, and finding them, getting them on the team, and having them thrive. So, obviously, a lot of his success and, and kind of uh, breakout has been due to the fact that there's no one in their way because they're terrible and they're just like, well, let's get the young guys playing. But he's been great this season and is on a team that is now looking to basically retool. Uh, great to see that they nailed that draft pick and that he has been flourishing. He's one of Steve Kerr's elite eight players, man. I, yeah. I love this. Like <laughs> when your team breaks, this is the you just have to lean into it. You just right. have to take advantage and try to find any good player um, and be happy about it because it is it's a blessing in disguise because you get to be different and you get to like work muscles that you haven't had to use in a while. Like this is probably going to go down as one of Kerr's favorite coaching years, just because he probably gets to coach a lot more of these guys who will actually take his coaching uh, than you know, some of the best players of all time who are like, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but I also know what I can do. Right. Um, Pascal is, hit shooting 51% from the floor, I believe, which is good no matter what you're doing or who you are. Um, and, you know, it's volume, volume, volume. It's him and Glenn Robinson the third, and uh, D'Angelo when he comes back and Kai Bowman. Like this is, Golden State is such a volume team and it's really nice to see some of the players actually step up and take advantage. Right. Because it would be super sad if no one was. Right. And and you and you totally can see teams that thrust their rookies into a prime role with a lot of minutes and a lot of time. And they don't necessarily they're not able to rise to the occasion as effectively. I mean, you can look at I mean, RJ Barrett has been very good for the Knicks, don't get me wrong. And so is mm. and DeAndre Hunter is is <laughs> watch now, yourself, dude. <laughs> and DeAndre Hunter is like now kind of getting things together for the Hawks oh, now that his, his minutes, gross. minutes are getting increased. Um, but like both those guys, you know, are not doing super hot. Uh Darius Garland also falls into that list, I would say. Uh and <gasps> are you being shocked right now? <laughs> Sorry, that was a sarcastic guess. Okay. I was like, I was like, I feel like we've talked about how Gary Terry Carlin has not been good. Who this the season. hell do you think you are, dude? Uh, and those guys are all shooting under forty percent from the field, whereas yeah. Pashal's shooting fifty plus. So you know, when you when you thrust a rookie into into prominent roles, it doesn't always go the right way, and it's always very nice when it does. Yeah, that's an excellent comparison. It's actually the one I did for my biggest disappointments. Oh, well, let's um, move right into that. Okay, it's it's both 
it's the the Hawks rookies. Like like oh, they're the go. exact opposite. Um, yeah. They're they both. I think they look terrible. I really do. Um, as you said, DeAndre Hunter is shooting under forty percent. Cam Reddish is shooting under thirty percent. Like, I understand you lost John Collins and Trey Young has missed a few games, but you you, you can't be. The, the team just doesn't really look well-managed right now. In so, but just with the rookies, because I sort of like everybody else. Um, I don't know. They just really don't look good. And this could end up being a really big mistake by Atlanta. If, like, this is what they ended up with for the Luca for trade trade. Yeah. So, uh, not great. Uh, it's always tough <laughs> having great. multiple rookies. Um in your rotation from the sure. same draft class. Um, you would think that it would work out because it's like, hey, you guys are going head to head. But uh, I'd say at least half the time, it's just not a good idea. Like you don't want too many people who don't know what they're doing out there on the court, or you want all of them to not know what they're doing and to have absolutely no pressure on them. Maybe the problem is that we all thought the Hawks might be like the seventh or eighth seed and we were really high on them. And now we're sort of blaming the rookies and the young <laughs> and team. Now for that being... is far from true. Well, like they're, I mean, they've been bad. Oh Their yeah. No, I remember I mean, when we were talking about when we were doing our, our, our Eastern player, uh, Eastern conference playoff seedings. I think I had the Hawks as like yeah. sneaking into the, to the eighth seed. It's like, yeah, if Trey young just carries this team and everyone kind of plays averagely, but that does not happen far from it right and they're i mean even if john collins was there do you really think that like things would be that different no um so yeah they're my biggest disappointments yeah. it's if you're shooting under 30 percent, something's wrong for the sake of my fantasy team i will say that uh deandre hunter has been playing better the last uh nine or so games uh, he's shooting 42% from the field and is scoring 15.3 points per game. So uh, as a fantasy owner for DeAndre Hunter and not wanting to drop him because it's a uh, dynasty keeper league and I still have hope for him. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's he's getting better. But yeah, Cam Reddish has been a pretty pretty big disappointment. And I should go without saying, I mean, I didn't want to say him as my biggest disappointment or this player, because I feel like it's not very fair, but quickly it is pretty, it's been very sad to see, to not see Zion this so far this year. It's been up sure. It's not a disappointment, but it's just like, it would, it would be nice to have had, you know, 20 games of Zion, uh, especially he's a bust, Celtics. dude. He hasn't, <laughs> he hasn't played anything. Yeah, he sucks. I mean, he's terrible. Let's uh, yeah, and look at how good the Pelicans are without him. <laughs> yeah, let's let's the Pelicans. Why don't you why don't you trade away Zion? Let's get him out. Get him out of New Orleans. My uh, my biggest disappointment so far, and I have to go. I know it's a little bit of a homer pick, but I gotta go homer pick. Romeo Langford has done yeah. absolutely nothing. Fourteenth yeah. pick overall. Somehow I like forgot about that and thought that like Grant Williams was our first first round pick, but no, right. it was Romeo Langford picked ahead of Nikhil Alexander Walker, Brandon Clark, and he can't even make the team. He's down on the red clause right now. He's can't shoot. I think what happened was the Celtics really wanted Tyler hero. And then he went the pick above them to Miami and they just panicked and were like, well, this guy could be good. Um, yeah, I I've not been thrilled with with how his career has started, both as a Celtics fan, obviously, but also because you at that pedigree, a top fifteen pick, you want to be able to see something come from it. And he, even down in uh, in Maine, in with 
with in the three games he's played there, he shot 22% from three. Like, come on. These are G League players. I liked Romeo Langford, and it's not just because he has a cool name. Um, but a great name. yeah, I forget who I had. I, I'm pretty sure he was in my mock going to somebody. Um, 15th pick, I feel like it's okay to come along slowly. Like you would like to see something for sure. But then again, Boston's rotation has been a little bit strange outside of their, you know, like top four players. Right. You would think that there would be more opportunity with Gordon Hayward being out, but I think that they had to recombobulate themselves a little bit. And, you know, Marcus Smart won't be on, coming off the second unit. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I would like to see more from him. I'd like to see more Admiral Schofield too, mm, but, yes. uh, you know, this draft, when I was going through it, it just might not be that great. Which is know? fine. You know, it could be a lot of middle Like DeAndre Hunter level. was the fourth pick. Right. And right. Cam Reddish was the 10th pick. Right. It could just and be a lot of... Lot I'd of- rather have Romeo Langford right now. Well, that's not true. But, like, there's there's not a lot of difference. Yeah. It could be a lot of... This draft might just yield a lot of kind of, like, middle to maybe decent level, you know, uh, kind of role players yeah you had like one of your questions was good players on wrong teams yeah and i it was a little bit tough for me at first because i was like well maybe these guys just aren't good and like they're not on the wrong team they just shouldn't be on teams um but one of them is Jarrett culver and he was the sixth pick and i don't really know why minnesota got him either like He's totally solid and he's fine. But I yeah, I looking at this draft, it's bizarre. I can't believe that Atlanta had two top ten picks and didn't get Tyler Hero or PJ Washington or even Matisse Tybel. Like they knew their defense would be terrible. Right. So why not get the best defensive player in the draft? Yeah. And actually for a good player, wrong team, our third category talking about rookies, Matisse Tybel is my guy. Uh, because oh, nice. Wow. Because I, I kept coming back to him. I was trying to like figure out who else I could talk about, but for whatever reason, I kept getting drawn to him. And I think predominantly it's because it's the production that he's had in the limited minutes. And sure. I, I don't see how he's really going to get, um, except unless the Sixers just get hit with injury that he's going to really get that much of a larger role on this team, but he's shooting 43% from three 40 from the field. And is somehow averaging 2.3 stocks per game on 15 minutes, which is mind blowing to me. It's I was great. looking yeah, he's... I, I was looking at like the per 36 and per 36, he's like averaging basically three and a half steals in a block. You're like, good God, this is obviously that's not exactly how it's going to go, but, but, uh, and so if I'm, if I'm taking him and I'm putting him on a team that would be great, would love to have him, and given through injuries now has a serious opening at their, at their small forward position, put him on Houston. Oh, wow. He would. I, I know the Jesus. Sixers are a big nationally televised team as well, but I somehow I feel like him on Houston now being thrust into a more prominent role with Eric Gordon now – He's better than Ben McLemore, I'd say, right now. You get that defense that you need along the perimeter in Houston, and he's shooting pretty well from three, and this team just loves to shoot threes, so just have him keep jacking up threes, 
and uh, and be able to play defense at a high level, give him, you know, even 20 to 25 minutes per game. I think he would do great things and, and might even fight for a rookie of the year nom with Zion missing so much time. I think John Morant probably has that locked down. But uh, I would love to have seen him on a team. Or, or we talked about on last week's or two weeks last week's show, uh, the Lakers. The Lakers could use another outside shooter who plays great defense to go along with Danny Green. So I think Tybo is a someone who I wish the Celtics had gotten, and they could have gotten. Him, but they, <laughs> I didn't want to say, but I was but like, they you guys could have had him. <laughs> uh, could have had him, but they didn't. Yeah, Matisse went 20, by the way. And oh, my God. Yeah, I, I mean, know. a hell of a lot of people, a lot of teams – Atlanta could have had him twice. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So that's my that was my rookie for good player, wrong team. Because I, I think he has shown that he can take advantage of the minutes he's given. And I just don't know how he's going to get more minutes in Philly. And I'd love for him to go to a team that he can get more minutes in. That's a good point. Like, are they, is his defense going to be good enough for them to play him in the playoffs? Like, he's... And then this the question is, be... is, who are you sitting for him, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be tough. No, that's a good point. Um, my guy is nowhere near as cool, but we've already <laughs> mentioned him. I mean, Matisse's defense is just so amazing. Right. His, his, his his numbers his, are Like, his busy hands are nuts. Oh, it's yeah. absurd. Yeah, he's so cool. It, like, if his shot develops, he'll just be such a fun player. Ugh. Uh, anyway, my guy is R.J. Barrett. I wish he wasn't on the Knicks. I wish he was on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, hell yes. They don't really have small forwards in Cleveland. And <laughs> they don't believe in that there. Yeah, I just sort of feel like he'd fit in there a lot better than Garland. Um, and he is 14 plus points, five plus rebounds, three plus assists, one plus steal, one three pointer made 39% from the floor and 53% from the free throw line. RJ has some things he needs to work on because he also is 18th in free throw attempts per game. Like he goes to the charity stripe a lot. Uh, it would be good for him to make at least, I don't know, 60% of his free throws. One, one just, could hope. It's just a small part of the game. Also, he's not Shaq, so uh, it should be in the 80s, I think, at least the 70s. Anyway, I just think that he would look a lot better in Cleveland than um, than Cleveland looks right now. I mean, I like R.J. Barrett a lot. I still think that he has a chance to be Rookie of the Year just because of the volume mm -hmm. and just because, like, that team is so stupid. And if the Knicks have something good going for them that they can believe in, then it'll get all blown out of proportion. And, um, you know, everyone will pro be proclaiming him, like, better than Zion. It's like, well, at least he played, you know. At least uh, he uh, gave yeah. me 82 games, whereas Zion God. only gave you guys 60. Yeah, it is. It's just so tough. And his line, aside from the ratios, isn't bad at all. So, like, we should be happy about R.J. Barrett, but it just looks so dreadful. And I think he'd look a lot better with a coach that is used to coaching younger players like John Beeline on Cleveland. Yeah. Well, and I just also feel that Cleveland could space the floor better for him. Uh, yeah. And yeah. give him a lot more space to kind of operate and work in, whereas since the Knicks have 13 big men who just sit in the paint, it kind of clocks things up for you. Oh, 
bad. <laughs> like, uh, they're, by the way, uh, last in the Eastern Conference again. It was it was close for a while, but they're they're back to being at the uh, bottom. In the league They've of lost their own. seven in a row. Oh, my God. Uh, way to be. Way to be, you guys. Yeah, that plan worked out really, really well. <laughs> you guys got brought in those uh, high-profile free agents, and, and just the whole team is panning out. Yeah, them in Chicago. Can't say enough what about you. What a disaster. Yeah, anyway. Chicago, how long before uh, what is his name gets fired? Boylan? I don't know. Like, it's got to happen. Office is the, they're the ones that like gave him an extension when they didn't Ugh, need to. So, so if you fire him, you're saying that you made a mistake. I kind of feel the cynic in me thinks that they'll trade Levine before firing Which Boylan. Is so dumb. Yeah, but they could be right. like, yeah, well, we got these assets back, whatever the hell that means. Right. And then they'll say, look, Chris Dunn's playing better, and we have Sadoransky and Kobe White, and like we have all these guards, and we don't need all these guards. And no shit. Yeah, let's just trade away the best player. And, and mostly, I think this is something, too, most exciting. There's something to be said for that, right? And, and well, since we like to, I guess, throw in football analogies every here and then, uh, the Jaguars benching Nick Foles, benching Gardner Minshew for <laughs> Nick Foles. It's like, hey, guess what? When Nick Foles plays football, guess who's not in their seats? Fans, because no one gives a shit about Nick Foles because he's bland toast. And Gardner Minshew is a fucking god created by, I don't know, the image of God himself with a glorious mustache and puts butts in seats. There's something that he said for giving, the, you know, even if you're a terrible team, give some fans some sort of excitement to show up. I mean, this is a money-making endeavor after all. Why would I, in an attempt of like, oh, I'm rebuilding this team or saving face, like trade away the most exciting guy my team has that puts butts in seats because, uh, you know, I signed this coach to extension, which was dumb. I totally agree with you, Doug. Like, <laughs> I, I 100% think that they are going – I would – if there were odds, I would bet on – Levine getting traded rather than coach getting fired. Yeah. I mean, if Boylan gets fired, then you might as well just fire the front off. Uh, we're talking too much about the stupid team. Who cares? I <laughs> Who hope cares? it's all even worse. Like uh, it's fine. So I'm going to pull a, I'll pull a fast one on you, Natty. Cause I know I had sent out originally as our fourth and final topic to discuss these rookies. Uh, what did I have? I had who had the best style or best grip as the kids say. And uh, maybe you have an answer. I was like, while I was doing that, I was like, this is maybe not the most fun question. Or it's like, eh, whatever. So I got a new question for you. <laughs> Pulling a fast one. Who's the Audible, rookie dude. you'd most like to have on your team 20 games into the season? Oh, shit. So on my fantasy team or on the Pistons? I was going to say Pistons, but ooh, fantasy team is fun too, since this is from time to time a fantasy podcast. Um, you know what? I am going to say that it would be the same answer. Uh, I kind of like what I'm seeing from Ri Hachimura, man. Yes. Like, okay. So he's not good in fantasy right now. He's number 147 on the year. He is six, eight. He has been playing small forward and power forward. I believe he's starting at center tonight for the wizards. Ooh. 
because they're so banged up in the front court. And I just kind of like his style, dude. Like he's 13 plus points per game, five plus rebounds per game, 48% from the field. Like that's sort of all he does. It's very straightforward. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm kind of like a traditional power forward in a way, says Ree to all of his fans. Um, (laughs) The, I mean, the Pistons, I, I, I I don't want to talk about it. Um, So Hey, hey, they beat the Cavs handedly right now. So. Oh, God, 20, 127 a, to 94 good for you good for you natty such a backhanded compliment <laughs> that's ridiculous you can go f yourself and your dumb team yeah thank god the pistons play the pacers soon because hey that's a team we could beat jesus uh, christ i don't want to think about it anyway i do think that i'd rather have Rihachimura than like tony snell or Markeith Morris, all due respect to those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just sort of think that he's an intriguing player, and I didn't think that – I was a little bit more down on him, I think, before the draft. Um, and I think I've been pleasantly surprised. Like, he can't be shit because the Wizards have such a good offense. So, like, something's working with right. him and Mo Wagner and, uh, and Bradley Beal, who's just – Playing out <laughs> like, of his mind. Yeah, yeah, he's God. He's so fucking good. I love Brad Beal. Um, so yeah, Rihachimura is my guy. Um, yeah, that's, I love it. He's because he he also just oozes uh, like a cult hero, like cult. You know, like you can just buy into him and be like, yeah, I am obsessed with this guy, and he could be one of the better players on your team or not, and you're still just like get the jersey tune in to watch him play he was a guy who i was thinking of doing as a uh good player wrong team just to get him into the national spotlight him and pj washington were two guys who are like if they were on a team that had nationally televised game the hype around them i feel like would be much bigger sure yeah like if he were god if he were on houston or yeah if, who else oh if he were on portland and but then they never would have gotten Mello, never so gotten Mello, i so. let's retract that immediately i'm so sorry <laughs> we're, we're sorry Mel. we're sorry that we put you in a position where you might not have made it to portland yeah you you know that we love you um but yeah he's uh he has done better than i thought he would uh that team i can't really explain that team i don't really understand like Davis Bertans is just absolute <laughs> fucking dynamite. Some, and somehow just suddenly come out of nowhere. Like there's, I'm going to say a 7% chance that when John Wall comes back next year, the team's dangerous. <laughs> I'm, I'm don't, I, I would take that to like double digit percents. I mean, let's push 13% here. I mean, but John two Wall- weeks ago, I would have called the doctor and said, hey, my friend Pete is out of his fucking mind. <laughs> you need to put him somewhere safe because he just said that DC <laughs> is going to be good when John Wall coming mm. off of an Achilles. <laughs> I know. But, but what if? What if? I, yeah. No, that's I'm giving it a chance. I yeah. think that there's not a one in 10 chance, but pretty close to that. And I know I know we're getting a little tangential here, but that's the point of the podcast. I know Achilles and ACL injuries are very different things, but I have ta- I've taken some heart in seeing Derek Rose's career continue past all of his knee injuries and him to still flash occasionally, not, not as regularly as he did, but occasionally flash that athleticism and bounce that he was known for. 
And so part of me is like thinking the miracle of modern medicine, John Wall maybe doesn't go from, you know, all the way down to 60% John Wall, but maybe he's more like 75% John Wall. Yeah. And maybe that ends up being actually better for the team yeah. because he's, uh, he'll be more focused on other things, right? Like maybe just be a pure distributor and like save that burst for like later in games and just sort of try to be a game manager. Um, you know, it's tough for players to come back from injury as every Gordon Hayward fan knows, because you don't know, even if everybody tells you that everything's fine, like you've been laying off of your leg for 18 right. months. Right, right, right. Like, makes sense for if it took you another 18 months to get out of that, you know, if not longer. So um, I bet it's a two year recovery. Um, that seems to be the timeline for a lot of this stuff now. Like you get it going yeah. in the second year back and that's fair. Yeah. Um, for my guy, I think I might do the exact same thing as you. This, this guy is my answer for both my team, my fantasy team and my team, the Boston Celtics. And I mentioned nice. him as someone who the Boston Celtics could have gotten at 14. It's not Tybal. It's Brandon Clark. Cause I kind of feel Ooh, like nice. he's a young Al Horford. He's kind of playing like that. Yeah. Strong defense Dude. can shoot from downtown. Uh, Top 75 on the player Raider for ESPN. Yeah, I'll say, yeah. I'll take that. Sneaky. Second yep. among rookies and blocks shooting 45% from three. Uh, yeah, yeah. I feel like he could have been someone who they instantly plug into a reduced role of that Al Horford position, but like that he would step and can continue to build into. But uh, alas, Romeo Langford down in uh, Main Red Claws. Romeo, I'm sure you're a really good person, and we love you, and we'd love to have you onto the podcast. <laughs> but you you have to understand some of my frustrations here. It's funny because Brandon Clark went in the draft right after Matisse. <laughs> so. Any, either of those guys would have been lovely, but I, I just think, yeah. I think the Celtics have in Marcus Smart, in Brown, in Tatum, Tatum to a lesser extent, because he kind of plays both wing and, uh, and can play down in the paint, but, but Brown and Smart, you have that elite wing uh, defender. So I don't necessarily know if they needed someone like Tybal. But given the fact that you're losing Al Horford, who is the anchor on that defense from a, mm -hmm. from you know from a front court position as a big man, and you replaced it with, I mean, they knew that they had Enos Cantor and Robert Williams. I love me some Time Lord, but Time Lord doesn't have he's a hyper athletic shot blocker, uh, but he doesn't quite have the offensive game to go with it. But picking and rolling with with Brandon Clark would have just been glorious. And I think you could have replicated some of the same success and the same offense and same defense that you had with Al Horford with him on the court. And maybe Grant Williams will evolve into that. A lot of people have talked about his intelligence on the defensive end. And we've seen flashes of that. But given how good Brandon Clark has looked in Memphis, uh, I would love to have him on the Celtics and my fantasy team. Yeah, agree with that. I think he's going to be one of the better players in the draft. And I think, you know, he might be a top 10 pick if we redid the draft right now. Um, and an example I, of, uh, hey, Memphis, you had two first round picks. Way to nail them. Hey, Hawks, you fucked up. Yeah, yeah. And it's sad because there's just so many different ways that atlanta could be cool yeah and but i hate hating on it because trey's so cool 
you know? So it's like, yeah, maybe nothing else matters. You have Trey, who gives a shit? Um, like you'll fill out the team, even if everybody else sucks, that you'll get rid of them and you'll replace them with other players. I mean, this is sort of eternally like the Orlando Magic problem, which is like they have a really good player and then they fuck everything else up and then the player leaves and they have to start all over again. Um, so it is important for Atlanta to get better and show Trey that they know what they're doing. But I wonder if it's just maybe like regular rookie stuff. And this is a really, Atlanta's such a young team. Yeah. It's maybe a little unfair to expect linear progression from, you know, four teenagers and. Well, there's uh, just, and there's no like veteran on that team to mm-hmm. kind of take everyone under the wing and be like, Hey, this is how it's done. Like that whole team is just super young. Yeah, I wonder if they end up regretting that where they're like, yeah, we should have just gotten somebody sort of solid and maybe overpaid them by a little bit. But then again, like they had all those draft picks. Um, you got to play these guys, right. I guess. Oh, yeah. Maybe Cam Reddish belongs in the G League right now, though. Ooh, under 30%. Fired, yeah. just, I, you know, like if he's not going to be playing a lot of minutes, then put him, put him somewhere where he can. Um, all right, before we hit studs and duds and buds for the rest of the week, uh, we're going to take a quick ad break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, we are back and it is time. Studs, duds, and buds uh, for the rest of the week. For those who are new to the show, uh, we do this every week. We give out a player who's set to have a great rest of the week in fantasy for all you guys who have them on their roster or for DFS heads good guys to play player who's going to struggle someone to avoid uh and then someone who we just kind of want to keep watching play uh natty big win for you last week Embiid w- saying Embiid will average over 25 points per game he beat that handedly with 30 and uh, another mm. double win for you because Miles turner also sucked it up uh he doesn't look good dude doesn't look it's good it's concerning it's really kind of a bummer because we were singing his praises coming into yeah. the season and uh yeah it has not come to fruition so far for him. And everyone keeps talking about how good Brogdon looks and how much better the Pacers are yeah. than they thought they would be. And it's like, shit, but Miles Turner. If Miles Turner had taken that next step or even like half a step, the Pacers could be, could have been, or I mean, still could be. There's still, you know, 60 games left, but Pacers could have really been making a name for themselves in the East. Shit, if you're Atlanta, would you want Miles Turner? And what would you send back? Cam Reddish. <laughs> right. <laughs> In a heartbeat. Okay, sure. But you, what would Indiana what would actually Indiana? accept? Yeah. <laughs> They're like, yeah, Cam Reddish. And like, what are you actually sending? I don't know. I mean, I would, 
does, it would be picks and like maybe, right. I mean, because but that's does, does that I mean, not feel does that not feel redundant with John Collins? I like you need defense on this team. Oh yeah, I, and I sort of feel like Sabonis and Collins are different mm-hmm. and Collins can be more outs. Yeah. I don't know. It's no. Cause I, I, I love the idea. I mean, I think in today's day and age of the NBA, it's basically, I would say if you, unless you have like truly a wheat elite wing defenders, get a rim protector, get a big body, force everyone down into the paint and just kind of see what you can do through that. And so having a John Collins and a miles Turner, could certainly work and offensive wise, both those guys are developing a three point shot. So you're not going to be like crowding the paint and preventing anyone from driving, which is, you know, good. Yeah. It's sad though. We were so high on miles. So, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about 20 games in swing and a miss. That was yeah. one of them. Uh, anyways, you're at five and three on the year. Pretty good. Pretty good. I uh, got neither of mine yet again. I have, I started off really hot. And then I have come crashing back down to earth. Shea Gilders Alexander was fine. Oh, yeah. But he was not as good as I thought he was going to be, despite his glorious schedule. And Spencer Dinwiddie, I had him because I said he wasn't going to average over 16 points per game. And I had him, except for the fact that he went off against the Celtics in the second game, which bumped up his average. So I am two and six. And I need to but get... I technically had Dinwiddie as my dud too, and then because you went first, I was like, "Oh no, I'll pick somebody else. It's fine." I know, but I, if I do recall, spent much of that time uh, basking in going first and how great my strategy was because <laughs> I got the, the sure thing. So backfired. <laughs> hey man, a... we're long twos here. You know, we're... like some of them are going to clank off. <laughs> A lot of mine are clanking off, but not this week. I'm getting back on I the horse. I believe in you. I'm scoring Absolutely. points. My stud this week, TJ Warren. Ooh, nice. Top 20 player last week on ESPN, averaging 20 points per game the last five. He plays the Thunder, Pistons, and Knicks, all of which mm, are giving up top yummy. 12 points to small forwards. I think he's a lock to average at least 17 points per game rest of the week through Sunday. So that is my stud for the week. Nice. Right on. I am going to go with a guy uh, who also has initials. PJ Washington, who is one of the rookies that we didn't really talk about today. Um, But could have applied to basically everyone on this list except for disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's once him on your team has been a huge surprise. And on any nationally televised team, he would be like one of the top most talked about rookies. For sure. I mean, he's number 63 on the player Raider. Like yeah. he's been the best guy really outside. Uh, yeah. He's been better than Kendrick Nunn. Yeah. I mean, he's averaging 11, five, a steal per game, a three per game, but most importantly, he's shooting over 50% from the field. God, he's yeah. He's smart and he knows what he's doing and he's doing it efficiently. Um, he had a bit of a cold spell, but he's come back and The reason that he's my stud this week is because he plays the Golden State Warriors, the Brooklyn Nets, Mm. and then the Atlanta Hawks. I feel like he'll be (laughs) able to score some points. Yeah, you know, possibly. (laughs) I I mean, I don't want to, like, make, you know, any claims for you. But, yeah, I think if P.J. Washington doesn't average, like, 20 points per game, that's a letdown. 
yeah, I mean, I feel like he's going to have a double-double in at least one of those games. Um, I think that he could get 20 and 10 against the Hawks, but <laughs> that's just because I feel like anyone could do that. I mean, Harden scored 60 against Atlanta, what, yesterday, two days ago, um, in that ridiculous game, 158 points. Come on, he's, man. He, that's, that's, God damn it. That man, I did not think that there was a, another level for him to go to, and he has gone there. He's developed his step back three has developed into, I think, like one of the historic NBA shots. Mm, like there's yes. there's you know Kareem skyhook. Yep. Um, there's Dirk sort of fade away. Yep. Um, there's whatever Jordan wants to do whenever he wants to do it. It's totally there's, fine. There's Duncan's off the window, and his Harden's step back is just doesn't require a foul in order to be deadly effective you Mm -hmm. know like he's sort of stepping away from possible contact and it's still crazy and his three-point percentage is lower than it should be like he started off the season cold Houston just tends to fucking do that perhaps because their players aren't very conditioned uh when they come into a season but whatever um but he's he's getting on track obviously he just scored 60 um (laughs) and it's he's turned into one of the best scorers ever. And Mm -hmm. it's funny to see him doing it in a different way than when we saw Steph sort of take, you know, one of the best scorers ever mantle uh, four or five years ago, like Harden is doing it in the way that Matt dictates. And that's a lot of people don't like watching it and they can go fuck themselves. It's beautiful. It is really impressive. It's like watching a good pitcher just dominate. Yes. Technically it's boring, but that's only if you're not like paying attention to what he's actually doing and how hard it actually is. Like, why don't you take a step back when you shoot a <laughs> basketball and see how well you do I've, and then do it from 30 feet away. I've tried to practice his step back so many times, the double, the double foot tap. And it's really tough. I think the person who's going to rival him for most notable step back is going to be Luca. That's already developing. It's crazy that someone that young already has it. Yeah. But I mean, like maybe we'll just start seeing it and we'll think of Harden in five to 10 years as like the guy that started it. Um, because like people can't really, I mean, Skyhook is that's, that's Kareem. That is, know? yeah. Like that's a shot that, that is almost unreplicable. And there's, it's not like everyone can do what Harden's doing as well as he does it, but just like Steph Curry shooting a ton of threes, like people are just going to try to start doing it because uh, people will pay attention. You'll score more points and you'll probably end up getting more money. So just like home runs in baseball, if you can alter your launch angle just a little bit, then you're going to end up getting a better contract. Most likely. Um, my dud for the week is doesn't count today. And I don't even know what his stat line was today, but he did play. Uh, Kevin Love mm. has for the, at least the two games prior to Tuesday's game, uh, averaged 12 points since returning from injury and now has to finish out the week against the magic and the Sixers. I don't see That's him tough. really getting back on track. Uh, especially given how bad this team is and just that he's still seemingly recovering from injury. I don't think that he's going to average above 14 points uh, per game the rest of the week. So I think he is someone you just leave off if you, uh, 
if you're going to DFS or if you have them on your team. I like that. I'm glad you picked a big time name because that's what I'm doing too. I'm I'm going real big with this one. Let's hear it. I'm saying my dud is Bradley Beal. Dude, I was thought about that. Man, it's his lineup like, is really fucking tough. Yeah, 76ers, Heat, Clippers. That's, that's... about as murderer's row as yeah. you can get. Um I there's a part of me that's like, no, 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 no. He's going to be incredible in all of these games. He's just going to rise to the level and show everyone just how fucking good he really is. On the other hand, that's a really tall order, man. Like he's. And he's the, also the only guy, you know, uh, like we talked to, except we talked for Rihachimura and Davis Bertans and fucking Thomas Bryant or whoever. No, no, no. He Rhee's playing center tonight. They don't even have him. Oh yeah. And Isaiah Thomas and uh, Mo Wagner. Ugh, it's, it's such a ridiculous team. It is such a ridiculous team, but yes, call me crazy. Don't really think that uh, those teams have to worry too, too much about everyone else on the court outside of Bradley Beal. I think that's yeah. a, it's a ballsy call, but I like it. I was going to make it, but I did not have the uh, testicular fortitude too. So the other thing is that those teams aren't as fast um, as a bunch of other NBA teams in terms of pace. So the volume might not be there. Like a bunch of mm. Washington's offensive rating has come from several of their just outrageous games where, you know, like 130 plus points have been scored. Um, but I, I just can't imagine Brad Beal, like having three, maybe he will. God, if he did, that would, just, that would be, he should win player of the week if he does that. Well, I mean, let's, let's not get to, I mean, Carmelo set a pretty high bar as to what you he really to did win, to win players undefeated. <laughs> yeah. An uncountable number. <laughs> uh, who are you watching? Who's your bud for the week? Okay. I actually have two. So why don't you go first in case you steal one of my guys? Sounds good. Uh, I just, my bud has no real things except for the fact that I just enjoy watching him play. I've realized uh, I watched the Lakers Pelicans game, which was a pretty good game for a little bit of there. Then it kind of got away. Uh, Brandon Ingram. I mm. don't know how he functions as a human, because it looks like a mild gust of wind would blow him over or that like <laughs> yeah. any kind of physical contact would snap him in half. But he seems to be much more confident in himself, much more fluid in his movements and ball control. And I'm here for it. I would love to see him. I mean, when he, because of body type, he was looked at as like a, maybe not heir apparent to, to Kevin Durant, but a similar kind of like offensive wizard and totally I, i'm here for the any player leaving the lakers suddenly gets really good um i like that trend it's a good trend so uh yeah i'm just gonna watch brandon ingram continue to put up buckets as he's been doing against the uh the uh, mavericks tonight hell yeah man uh i'm fully on board uh hand raised you know a guy that thought that ingram could be a future mvp um the bright spot or the silver lining in Zion being out is that Ingram has been able to really establish himself. And, uh, you know, he's playing for a contract. He looks, he looks great. The team is, you know, it doesn't, 
the the win loss record doesn't really matter. I think what matters is how each player looks and you know how we feel about them, even though that's totally sentimental. But uh, they're in such a deadly conference. I don't think that you can expect them to do much better than they're doing. I mean, they they have six wins. That's only three less than the Phoenix Suns. That they're not out of the playoffs or anything. Um, and I wonder if they're going to bring Zion back slowly. Like we haven't even heard any update on his uh, timetable for return and his, in, and his surgery was like six weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I love Ingram. I, I really think this is, he landed in the right spot um, and they're going to give him as many minutes as he can handle. And he, he looks awesome with Alvin Gentry. I, I love how he looks right now. Yeah. Who are your two buds? Did I take, was Brandon Ingram one of them? He was not. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you chose him because I hadn't really thought about him. And you're totally right. I like him more than these two guys. I was thinking about <laughs> uh, Buddy Heald, number one. De'Aaron Fox should be coming back soon, I believe. The Kings play the Blaze. They're at the Blazers, at the Spurs, and at the Mavericks for the next three games. Um, those aren't defensive dynamos by any stretch of the imagination, and it's tough because it's three on the road and then you're going up against Luca. And I'm curious to see how buddy healed is going to respond because these Kings have been playing slow recently. And I, I don't know how that's going to mesh with the Mavericks. I don't know how that's going to mesh with these new look blazers. Uh, the Spurs game you know, if the Spurs have one of their old fashioned, like we're at home and we're not letting you win, then that will be interesting too, to see how Heald deals with that. Uh, but I'm going to be watching him this week. I'm also going to be watching Devin Booker because he plays at the magic at the Pelicans and then at Houston. That's, That's pretty, pretty tough. Yeah. Um, I'm mainly looking forward to that Houston game, but that's, you know, maybe he'll be tired. Jesus. Uh, but Phoenix, they had a fast start, but they are now nine and 10. They are holding on to the eighth seed in the West. The team right behind them is the Sacramento Kings with Buddy Heald at eight and 11. So those two teams might switch in terms of seeding by the end of this week. I like those two guys. Well, right cool. on, man. Awesome. Well, there you go. That's all we got. So make sure to uh, subscribe to the podcast. We're everywhere you can find a podcast you got. Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, iTunes, we're there. Fake Teams Podcast Channel is what you search for, and that's what we'll come up as. You also will get all kinds of good stuff, like our fantasy football and fantasy baseball podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter at the Long Two Podcast, and uh, we will be back at you next week, Natty. Until there, uh, have a good week, dude. Have a great one, man. Talk to you next week. <laughs>